This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. There have been a few companies that have come along in recent years offering a platform that used templates, image libraries, and stored data to largely automate the production of videos. But few, if any, of them had their heads wrapped around how that might work with and for digital signage networks. A Louisville, Kentucky startup is taking a run at the concept, and the big difference with that official is that its CEO and co-founder started and ran a digital signage software company for many years. So he has his head around the desire for content automation when it comes to videos that find their way to screens. Some listeners will know Brian Nutt as the founder of Codigo, which had built up a strong and interesting business focused mainly on regional banking. That business was acquired in 2018 by Spectrio, which now also owns and publishes 69. And Brian spent a few years away from the business before thinking about and pulling together Artificial. It's a platform that uses web services and the scalability of cloud computing to enable HTML5-driven motion media files to be generated quickly and easily by the hundreds or even thousands. At scale, a motion media file unique to a person or place can cost only pennies. Nutt is a digital signage guy, but he's launching Artificial with a focus on media embedded in staff and customer emails. That makes sense, as the idea is that this platform can generate many thousands of custom videos for emails versus the dozens or maybe hundreds that might be needed by a digital signage network that wants different messaging for, let's say, each store in a chain. But the capabilities are there to make this relevant for digital signage. Have a listen. Hey, Brian, thank you for joining me. For people who don't know you or maybe recall you from your past, can you give me your background and what you were doing with Codigo? Sure, sure. And uh, great to talk to you again, Dave. Um, Codigo was a digital signage uh, company that I founded back in around 2004, so kind of early on in the trajectory of digital signage. Um, That morphed into us uh, introducing a number of different retail media products, interactive kiosks, overhead music, on-hold messaging, all that type of stuff. Um, And we had a focus on financial institutions, uh, really regional, local banks and credit unions. Although at the end there, we had a um, meeting when I sold it in 2018. We had um, uh, we had installations around the world uh, and in all sorts of different industries from restaurants, universities, office complexes, and all the places that you would see a digital science installed today or retail media, like I said. So um, did that and uh, sold that in 2018. Um, took a few years off and have uh, launched into this new new project, uh, which is pretty exciting. So what is Artificial? Yeah, so Artificial um, really began, I guess, in terms of me sort of 
thinking about this back before I sold Codigo. So Codigo, um, and I think like a lot of digital science products, at least today, maybe not back then, but we had a pretty robust um, online, it was all hosted uh, CMS or content engine for creating content that could be um, either sent down to a kiosk or digital signage or any of the devices, um, whether it was on-hold messaging or any of those things, you could create the content on the web. And so I had this idea that that might be an interesting product uh, as a standalone product. We never launched it. And it's probably a good idea because folks like Canva came along and promo and NVIDIA and all these other products came along and did a pretty good job at it. So uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't, didn't do that at the time. Um, uh-huh. And so, um, but, but, you know, kind of after a little bit of time off, um, I've always sort of thought about that product and, and just um, how video is you know, just forcing businesses to do things differently. Um, and the, this, this requirement today to personalize content for, you know, folks that, um, are your customers or are, you know, interested in a product year. So the, the idea of artificial is to solve the problem that's traditionally been around video, which is it's expensive, it's time consuming, um, and but yet the requirement of it by consumers continues to, you know, race forward daily. So and then then the age today where data, um, you know, people are um, willing to share their data with brands freely. And so, you know, why is video passive still? You know, why is it that it's audience based where I press play and I watch it and Dave gets the same video as I do, even though we're, we have totally different lives and we live in different spots and different ages and all those things. So, you know, it's this idea that you can make video personalized with data. What I, what I know about you, I should be able to map brand assets, um, audio, video, language even, um, and insert interactive elements, calendar invites, the PDF downloads, buttons, anything like that into video so it's fully interactive and engaging uh, in ways that you know just really haven't been largely available and and at, and at reasonable rates so this is a content automation platform yes yes i mean uh, we were well, you know that i would wrap it up is we're not in the marketing automation space we're not trying to be a you know a, a, we're not trying to compete with with mailchimp or anything like that uh, what mm-hmm. we're trying to do is automate the production of video with data and available assets um, and return that that piece of content back to the to the marketing automation platform that would then send it out primarily as email, although I can see this um, transition to social and SMS and any other way that you communicate to a consumer. So if I'm running a digital signage network and I have a hundred different stores and I want a video for each of those stores, but I want it localized to each of those stores instead of getting an agency or in in-house designer to generate a hundred different videos, you would use, run it through this and it, it would use data to generate those hundred videos. That That's a, a decent comparison, but this product's really not built for digital signage. Um, okay. it's, it's built to, so imagine a little bit bigger than that. So if I've got a, uh, you know the, the the value of data on on your consumer today is tremendously high. So if you have a CRM that has, uh, let's say you have 
10,000 people that are in your, you know, your medium-sized business, 10,000 folks that are either um, current customers or leads or somewhere along the customer journey. What we do is we can produce videos for all of them. And you, you insert video into your marketing stack, into the customer journey and send it out via email. Okay. Are, are the files not big enough to run on a large format screen? Well, they could. And in fact, that was when I initially started this, the idea was to send content to any device. Uh, but we've chosen, we've sort of narrowed that down and focused on market automation platforms. Uh, but there's no reason it couldn't, it, it couldn't morph into a digital science play. It's just it's not today. Right. Because there's more scale in those. Correct. It's just bigger business. <laughs> yes. So yes. it's it's one of those things like uh, I think of Four Winds and or no, pardon me, they're now called Populo and AppSpace and some of these other companies that are starting to blend platforms where it's one stack that can send to a digital screen, but it can also send to a smartphone, to a tablet, to a website, whatever. Yes, it it, it would kind of plug into that kind of thing. Right. So here, you know, here's the other reason that I've kind of gotten into this, and I mean, I'm a you know, a huge believer in power digital signage, obviously. Um, but Codigo, the, our growth was really built around the this incredible drive to build more stores, more locations, more branches in the banking space. And so we leveraged that and grew off that and really, you know, benefited from it. But today what's happening is, in fact, I was, I was looking um, just recently, I think it was UBS, they're, they're suggesting that in the next five years, 50,000 retail stores will close. Mm-hmm. All right, since 2009, um, when we were going into the, the Great Recession, banks and credit unions um, numbered about 15,000 total. Now, that's not branches. Today, there's about 7,000. So it's this consolidation and push, not, not, not including the number of locations that closed during the pandemic. I think it's about 20,000 retail stores. Something like that. So what's happening is as the store, you know, the, the, in my opinion, um, the store or branch does, does a couple of things. One, it's meant to educate a person in person on product, build trust, right, and sell products. But if stores are closing, people aren't going to the store. How do you, how do you communicate to them personally? And mm-hmm. to me, the conversation today is done in data. If I'm willing to give a brand my data, trust them with that. Even if it's unreasonable, I'm not going to the store. I never want to meet, you know, a person that's going to tell me about a shoe or a bank loan or whatever it is. But that doesn't mean I don't expect you to communicate back to me with things that are specific to me to help me learn about product, build trust, and ultimately sell me something. So, so that's that's you know, sort of taking it from the digital science in store installation. You know, that that's kind of the next progression of what we're trying to to solve for. Right. It's another output. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So how does this work? Yeah. Um, well, um, it's, I guess, let's see, where do you want me to start? So you don't know, do you? Yeah, I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. No, it, well, it did, it, it did take quite a while to figure it out, honestly. Um, and you know, you start at this gigantic idea and then try to distill it down to something's actionable. So that's, that's where we're, we are now. But, um, at the you know at the most I guess fine you know finest level, it's really not that dissimilar from digital signage. I mean, we're trying to take it's just like one level deeper in how you're delivering mm-hmm. the content. So you know, 
right time, right place, right person, all those things. And a large well of content that's either a procured third party, Shutterstock, et cetera, or first party to the brand. And then using technology to map these pieces of content to data. And data could be something like um, just knowing your name and having it be, hello, Dave. And uh, so if first name equals Dave, then show the text Dave on the first screen. And if language equals Spanish, say, hola, Dave. And so it's that's really what it is. It's mapping data smartly to assets, no matter whether it's something as simple as text or a background image or a video, things like that. And then, and then, um, you know, then you stitch those together based on where you are in the process towards or whatever it is you're involved in. I mean, it could be, it could be something from, it could be employee onboarding. It could be obviously selling someone onboarding a product or following up with a customer service issue. And you do it at scale because you can automate it. So if you have the data tables, you have the image assets and you have maybe some core templates, you could conceivably generate 10,000 videos that are all tailored to each individual. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. And are, are you dependent on templates? Well, a dependent is, I mean, it's, again, it's very similar to digital signage in many, many ways. So what we're mm-hmm. doing, it, just like we did at Code2Go, is leveraging a high degree of design skill um, and allowing folks to manipulate that as they choose. Um, now, we've done a couple of things a little smarter this way, which is, uh, you know, we're building in functions where, you know, it's like we call it a branded function, which is, I guess, kind of out there in the market um, in software where you just click a button and it'll map, you know, your brand assets the best it can to a, a, a template that we're that we're building, I suppose. But the but the same thing with Codigo is that we have a pretty high end content editor that allows you to build whatever you want. So we're do trying you to need to have graphic design skills. Get, what's that? Do you need to have graphic design skills? Not a high degree of them. Not a high degree of them. It, it's it's. I mean, as I said, it's very very similar to what we did with Codigo from a user experience okay. perspective. So you, you want to have somebody using this who has some core design chops and knows not to use Comic Sans for a font and, you know, pink and everything. Right, else. right, right. Exactly. I mean, I can barely sign my name, much less create a piece of content that's going to be sent out to 10,000 consumers. I would never do that. So but but the, the real mm-hmm. thing about this is is not the design skills. It's It's meant to be, you know, the whole set it and forget it attitude, which is once we have content mapped and I have the data that's associated with different pieces of content and I have the story where we're calling a story set up and maybe I'll give you an example but once that's set up then as so for example use a CRM so I have David Haynes who showed interest in joining red wine he loves red wine there you go I I was going to say that but you, you beat me too so you want to join the, the wine club, the Friday wine club at the local, you know, wine establishment. So you show interest in that. And in their CRM, you meet a condition that says, hey, Dave, just join the wine club. And what traditionally happens is when you meet that condition, you're sent an email and the email says, hey, Dave, thanks so much for your interest in the wine club. And it's got a picture or something of it, you know, there and it's, maybe it shows people at the wine club. Well, frankly, that's kind of boring. I mean, you know, so, mm-hmm. so what we want to do is take that same approach. And it's all that is, is form, you know, it's all merge fields. 
hello, first name. It just so happens to be Dave. Thank you for your interest in product ID wine club, right? Or whatever that it might be. Red wine drinkers. You know, Brian might be white wine drinkers. But it's this, it all comes from the same engine. So it's effectively a similar approach. We're taking data from those systems, current systems. We're not trying to be a CRM. And mapping that to assets that we have, whether they're first party to this, in this case, the wine club, or something that we've provided you from a third-party library. And then turning that into video, right? Stitching each of these assets together with dynamic fields that represent, hey, Dave, or maybe even a voiceover. Hey, Dave, thanks for your interest in the wine club. All the red wine drinkers are meeting, you know, down the road on Friday afternoon. Come by. Would you like to, mm-hmm. would you like to attend? You could click yes. Gotcha. So, so this is rules-based? Yes. It's not AI. Today, no. So there's a plan. There's a plan. There's a grand plan. <laughs> okay. So what are the outputs? Like, what's the output file? The output file itself? The output file as well, it's a URL. So what we're okay. generating is a Perl. A Perl. A Perl, personalized URL. Oh, okay. So it's it's not a uh, an MP4. It's not a no. video file of any kind. It's no. an HTML5 file. Yes. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. Do you work in parallel with like a CRM system or how how do the two platforms play together? Yeah. Today, now we're going to beta in in February, as I told you. Um, Mm -hmm. Today, um, there's a number of of different ways to do it. You can either upload it yourself. Um, You can, there's a number of systems that can automate the transfer of data, Zapier, et cetera. And you map, again, you map, it's just like anything else. If you have a list a list of people that meet conditions like the red wine club. You take that data, get it to our system. As long as we understand what the fields are, then we can choose the correct content to weave together, return it back to you as a pearl, which is then sent out an email. And how seamless will it be? Well, it should be very seamless. I mean, once you, as I said before, once you, you know, in take any system, let's take MailChimp, for example. You know, there's mm-hmm. custom fields and automation that allow you to insert links into an email template or a landing page. So we're, we're riding on top of those existing systems and the features that they have. And so once you have that, you can have a, a, you know, a custom record for each person, Dave or Brian or whomever, that updates itself. Um, and when those conditions are met, it knows to send the email out. Okay, so would you use APIs or would you use middleware like you're mentioning Zapier? No, no, well, I mean that's the fir- that's the first way to do it, right? That's the uh-huh. first way to do it. Um, in the in, oddly in the financial space, I don't know if it's odd, but in the financial space at least, it's more a security requirement. Rather than doing that, oftentimes they'll just use SFTP. 
which seems old school, but uh, I guess mm-hmm. there's reasons to do it. Um, man in the middle attacks, things like that. But, but um, so that's, you know, there's, there's ways to do this. Now, do we want to integrate with as many systems as we possibly can? Yes. We'll let the market dictate that. Right. It, because it's HTML5, is it responsive? Responsive to the size of the device? Is that what you mean? Like web responsive? The, the, the screen resolution. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So if it's going out on Facebook, it's a, it's a 4-3 square. If it's going out on a larger screen, it's a 16-9 rectangle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, it's again, it's very similar to the product that we had at Kodogo, which is you can do custom resolutions. You can do whatever you want. But then again, it's got to be responsive to, to the area of the device or, you know, in this case, the browser, whether that's mobile or, you know, your laptop or tablet or whatever. So when you look at this from the financial aspects, what's what's the benefits argument of doing this versus, you know, producing individual videos? It's pretty obvious, but tell me nonetheless. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so the, as I said, I mean, producing videos incredibly expensive and I, I sort of I've turned it the content gap which is this what I call it is the distance between what consumers require in video they want everything in video and what businesses can reasonably produce so it's not just the cost of you know a lot of times people outsource this stuff right and then it's got a shelf life so but with what we're doing um, you know we think we can reasonably produce tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of videos, you know, for pennies on the dollar. So, and, and I say video, right? Because that's what people understand. But, you know, you, you just asked me and you're right about the HTML. You could have embedded video elements in there, but is it true mm-hmm. rendered, rendered video? No. And that's the, that's the other cost component that is, is good. It's, it's favorable. Um, now, will that, will that be something that every brand wants? You know, do they want rendered video? Sure. There might be folks that, require rendered video and maybe we'll do that at one point we, we actually did at Kodago we ended up using a very similar approach and we built a rendering engine that rendered HTML5 to to true video but today it's HTML5 and there's, mm. it's just from hosting to production to the delivery of it it drives the cost down to you know prices that were impossible so uh, when you go to market this in a couple of months, two, three months, what am I paying? Am I subscribing to something? Am I buying an enterprise license? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a SaaS model again. Um, and it's, it's usage based too. So it's a tiered based model, um, with, you know, again, similar to the digital science space, probably some, not probably there would definitely be some, content creation elements to it where we assist assist clients that they need content made. And, and you probably remember a code ago, we did that pretty inexpensively as well. Um, mm-hmm. So same type of approach here. Um, and it, it really depends. It's hard to, it's hard to give you a, you know, a, a specific pricing point, but I think we'll probably land. Most customers will probably land somewhere between 500 and 1500 a month. That's where I think okay. it'll be. Now it could be far higher depending on usage. I mean, I was at a trade show recently, and there's a customer of mine who said that you know they, they sent out 140 thousand emails last month. Well, if you make 140 thousand videos, it might be a little more. But uh, right, you know. So, but that's where we're trying to we're, we're trying to do the same thing as, as the last business, which make it 
um, a very attractive price that um, that they can leverage. So that that's the the scale argument. Why it makes more sense for a uh, a cable company or a phone company or a power company, something like that, that has tens of thousands of subscribers and customers versus something like a digital signage network, which, as I said, might have hundred iterations of a similar ad and you don't get the same economies of scale from that. That's, that's right. That's right. And yeah. And as, as the, I mean, you know, I, a lot of ways I feel like it, this is very similar to when I started Kodigo. I mean, I remember telling people I'm going to replace printed posters on the wall with flat screens. They're like, what? <laughs> and I'd say, well, it's mm-hmm. called digital signage. They say, well, Oh, you mean like those, LED, you know, red, those red blinking lights that go across like that. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. And I had to, I would tote around, literally I would tote around with me under my arm, of like a 42 inch screen, which those things were heavy. <laughs> and so it's almost the same thing where I, I have to show this to people. You know, I show it to them. They're like, oh, okay. I, I think I understand this. And then how could I use this? And there's all these different permutations of a relationship with a client or an onboarding of one or whatever it is. And, and uh, then they kind of get it. So um, mm-hmm. that's where we are. Yeah, that's very familiar to me. Years ago, back mid-2010s, I had a little spin-out product that I did with a Korean partner called Spotimate. And it was automating videos based on templates. And... By far, my biggest challenge was education because people just couldn't wrap their heads around it. Yeah. So how, how are you going to deal with that? Well, I think that today, you know, the the state of the consumer today around video is totally different. And and the other thing is, is that um, I, I think um, when, correct me if I'm wrong, but was Spotify, was that sort of Adobe reliant? I mean, like, uh, was it after? Yeah, it was. It was yeah. It was an Adobe plugin. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're not we're skipping all that. Um, so from a user perspective, it makes it a little easier to and a lot less, you know, compl- I guess it takes that step out of it. But from a right. from an education standpoint, I, I think people are starting to expect this. I mean, it's like, you know, if you log into spot to Netflix rather, uh, and you see all these interesting shows that you know, that you think, oh, wow, I, boy, that, that does look like something I've watched. Well, I want, you know, that you understand that there's a data-driven decision that's behind that. And um, whether it's the content you see while you're scrolling through Instagram or across the web, um, you know, all these, all these technologies exist. And I feel like most folks understand that when they see something like this, they get it. Where mm-hmm. before it might have, and, and it still can be creepy. I'm not saying it can't be, but depending on the use. But before it was perceived entirely like that. I mean, it, with the with the with the pandemic and the move to, I mean, think about it. Back if you go back before the pandemic, or let's go let's go five years back, a lot of people didn't want to take video. You know, they didn't want to do like a Zoom call or whatever. They wanted to do it on the phone, or they shut off their camera. But today, you know, that's the if, if you don't turn your if I have a Zoom call with you and you don't turn your camera on. I think something's wrong. Like, what's going on? Yeah, you're not listening. Right. What's going on? So, so it's this drive to video and the the requirement of a personalized experience that when people get this, I think they're going to be like, oh yeah, you know, 
they'll they'll understand. I realize, as you've said, that your, your your core market is email marketing, maybe social media, some of those things. If you have digital signage software platforms or solution providers who are interested because maybe they do this whole omni-channel thing and they see this as an opportunity, how would they work with you? Would it run in parallel? Well, I mean, I, that's a that's a sort of a broad question to, to ask. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Um, I don't have that nailed down yet. I mean, but I'd take all, all inquiries, so to speak. Um, because it's, it, again, the, the idea is to insert this into the marketing stack. So whether it's, you know, a digital signage or it's traditional email marketing or any omni-channel approach, as you said, to contacting a customer, I mean, why aren't you using video? And mm-hmm. so it, it does seem like, as I said, from, from my perspective, the growth of digital signage, um, which isn't going anywhere, but, you know, largely relied on retail footprint. And as that declines or appears to decline or change at least morph in different ways, this is one of those ways to pick that up. Yeah. And I, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more screens, but in places other than what people thought about, which was, you know, in stores and so on. But there's all kinds of operational messaging that could stand to be personalized based on location, not personalized to an individuals, but to the dynamics of that oh, sure. area of a building or whatever. Sure, sure. And I mean, you know, the, the, the same thing holds true. I mean, you know, it's the, the, the level of personalization is all, all really based around the quality of the data that you have. And if you try to make it too deep and too complicated, you know, folks, I think, will shy away because that's no, not that it might not be possible. Same thing with, remember, it's the same thing with digital science. I mean, you can make things super, super complex and try to do all these really neat things. But the reality is a lot of people don't have that capability. I mean, maybe, you know, so you can only do, you can only deal with what is reasonably available to you from a data perspective. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no reason you can't, you have to be specific to a person. I mean, obviously, digital science doesn't really do that. Um, but to automate it specific to an area, you know, of the workflow or whatever, that's, that's completely doable. Mm-hmm. You, you've been out of digital science for roughly four years now. I, I'm curious now having sort of kind of left the industry, what's your perspective on it now? You know, I think there has been a tremendous amount of consolidation, including me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the players that existed before have been rolled up in some ways. Um, so it's like the and the the wild wild west that existed when I was when it really was. I think I'm back in the wild wild west a little bit on this one, but um, it, it's it's gotten a little more sterile. So um, at least that's my opinion. Um, I think that the interesting pieces of it are you know sort of in the hive stack arena. Um, with retargeting and programmatic, you know, ad buying, which I was never a, a really a big proponent of the ad model, because I think, you know, we've talked mm-hmm. about it for years. But there's interesting ways to serve content. And that's really more, you know, kind of what you, where you're going with what your comments were before. How do you serve that content to uh, folks in a unique and timely way? And I, I think there will be, and there already has been this, this approach to multi-device from a screen, just one big screen. Um, but but honestly, I, since I got out, 
I, I haven't paid a tremendous amount of attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, what you're doing is is very current in terms of the, the shift more and more to using data integration and automating content so that it's always relevant. So you're, 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 you're kind of doing what the industry's doing with. All right, there you go. <laughs> All right. So if people want to find out more, where are they going to find you online? Yeah, it's um, adofficial.io, A-D-I-F-I-C-I-A-L.io. And um, Perfect. we're signing up uh, beta users, although it'll be a, a closed group and already have a pretty good number that uh, we've signed up from um, some past relationships. But uh, anybody who's interested, just go on there and there's a, a beta sign up little form there. And you can learn about us. Um, and, and you're bootstrapped? Bootstrapped, yeah, yeah, bootstrapped. Uh, it's entirely, I've got I have one co founder who was actually with me at Codigo as well. Um, and we've put up, uh, put up the equity or the, the money rather. Um, got a team of, uh, call it six developers, um, uh, working on this thing full time and uh, pretty excited about it. All right. Well, it was great to catch up with you. Yeah, you too, Dave. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 69 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of this stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 69 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at screenfeed.com. 69, the blog and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.